Hey there. Thanks for checking out this episode of H&M Live. Your support is always greatly appreciated as I'm always striving to provide content that enlightens, entertains, and educates. Look, I've just enabled supporter functionality on the podcast, so click the link in the show description and any support that you provide will be greatly appreciated. Be well. Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome, everyone, to Perspectives in Focus, where we highlight the people, the industries, and the ideas and technology making positive strides within society. I'm your host, James Hicks from Hicks New Media. Uh, before I even get started, uh, I have to give a special shout out to, to, to you, the community. Right, thank you for your support as we continue down this journey of telling and sharing stories that enlighten, entertain, and educate. Today we have a we have a great session. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good conversation, folks. So sit back and, and enjoy. I'm looking forward to the dialogue. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Looking forward to the news and the information that's going to be shared. My guest today is Dr. Gaurav Chandra, Chief Operating Officer and VP of R and D at Enzalytics. Enzalytics look has a clear and bold corporate mission. That is to create therapeutics that are effective and affordable for treating infectious diseases that plague the world. Today, we are going to dive into specifics on the corporate focus. We're going to talk about research updates. We're going to talk about internal and external expectations and also short and midterm next steps for the organization. Ladies and gentlemen, with that being said, please welcome Dr. Gaurav Chandra. Sir, how are you? We're, we're, we're going to do it one more time, huh? Five times. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, a, that's a good lucky number. That's a good lucky number. It's, it's a pleasure to see you, sir. Uh, first and foremost, before we get going, I want to give also uh, props to you. Thank you for your continued uh, support of these conversations. I know it's, it's with 9 p.m. where you are right now, so it's, it's probably close to bedtime, but 
This is important conversations that need to happen. Right. And, sure. and, and, and the fact that we can go straight to the source, straight to the person behind the scenes, the person who is is coordinating a lot of the efforts for such important conversations. I think I think it's valuable to the community, it's valuable to society globally. Uh, so, so, so that being said, sir, you know, before we get started, for folks who may not know, please take take a second kind of an, and introduce yourself and speak more in depth on your role. Uh, for those who may not be aware and kind of speak to at a global level and perspective where the COVID pandemic is from a numbers perspective and kind of, kind of where we are with various approaches and how the virus is evolving. So kind of let, let's step back, right? Talk about who you are for folks who may not know, and then looking globally at the overall situation at hand from a COVID perspective. Sure. Thanks. Uh, Thanks, James. I think what I'll do is actually I'll I'll introduce uh, the company as such, and then we'll talk about uh, the COVID numbers and as to where we are going with the the evolution of the virus and the pandemic. So first, I'd like to thank you for having me on the podcast. We appreciate uh, the incredible support that we've received from the entire Enzolytics community. Uh, Since the reverse merger that happened in, in late 2020, uh, we've had a very busy 2021, and 2022 is the year we start consolidating and sort of capitalizing on the uh, the hard work and the effort that, that has been done in uh, 2021. And uh, just an introduction, Enzolytic is more than just a merger of Bioclinetics and Enzolytics, the, the old Enzolytics. Instead, what it does is it represents a merger of two very innovative ideas. So we have uh, on one side uh, 40 years of tireless efforts of Dr. Joseph Kotropia that led to the the science that identified these fully conserved sequences and then created these fully human monoclonal antibodies targeting these specific sites that led to the development of what we call as a, a universal, broadly neutralizing, a durable monoclonal antibody. So that's on one side. And on the other hand, we have another platform for immune modulator. uh, And that platform represents the efforts of almost two decades efforts of Mr. Harry Zabilov. What he has done is he had come up with with an inactivated pepsin fragment and ITV1. These are both immune modulators. We'll talk about that in detail as we go forward. But those are the two things. And then the most important part that that comes in together is like a gel that we have an AI platform that actually is complementing the development of our monoclonal antibodies and actually fueling other drug discovery efforts at the company. And uh, we are very excited about the progress that we've made uh, with the current clinical products and the tangible revenue generating assets uh, this year. Uh, We look forward to, uh, to answering questions and concerns as we move forward. Awesome. Now, uh, yeah. Oh, no, I'm uh, sorry, go ahead, coming, sorry. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. No. So I think uh, the other question was as to, I wanted to sort of discuss the, the the COVID pandemic and where we are going forward with this, sort of give a backdrop of, uh, of our development and what we have been doing as such. So uh, as far as the numbers are concerned, the numbers are not very good, actually. We've had 351 million cases and 5.6 million people have unfortunately died due to COVID. And the COVID projections have shown that uh, 
that the Omicron uh, infections are more than almost 10 times the peak of the Delta wave that was seen in April 2021. So these are not very encouraging signs. Uh, then we look at the mutations, and we've seen several iterations uh, of the, the SARS-CoV-2 originally. We've gone through various, various uh, uh, variants of interest and variants of concern. Uh, and just a word of note that a SARS-CoV-2 accumulates only two single mutations per month uh, in its genome. And that is almost half of that of influenza virus and almost one-fourth of HIV virus. So HIV virus still has four times more mutations than SARS-CoV-2. And then the, the variants of concern, uh, we've seen uh, that the variants of concern have about 15 defining mutations. And what we are very concerned about, and in fact, the whole world should be very concerned about, is that we are not very far away from the next variant of concern that could cause havoc. Uh, there are some preliminary reports coming out of France where they've identified a potentially worrying new variant which has about 46 mutations. And so far, it has infected 12 people. It is in southwest France. It's called the IHU. And it was discovered in a very concerning sign. It was discovered in patients who have been fully vaccinated in the past. Now, it is too early to say whether this would become the next variant of concern. But uh, but these are still concerning signs, and we should be cautious about uh, how we plan our COVID pandemic response. Then the other thing that, and I've, and I've talked about this in a lot of articles that I've written, that there is a database of, of, of uh, SARS-CoV-2 genomes, which is maintained uh, uh, globally, uh, and all the countries participated in it. It is called the, the Global Initiative in Sharing Avian Influenza uh, Data. It's called the GISAD. And the unfortunate thing is that 100 of the 167 countries that have participated have contributed to only 0.5% of the confirmed cases. Only 16 countries could sequence around 5% of their confirmed cases. So this this disparity in global uh, sort of genomic surveillance is, is a cause for huge concern. And it is crucial to understand the evolutionary change in the virus. So uh, and then coming back to the, uh, to the thing that we were discussing, where, where are we going with this, with the evolution of the SARS-CoV-2? So there's a very interesting study that, was, uh, that provides a roadmap for SARS-CoV-2 as to how it would evolve and how the pandemic future is going to be like. There's a, there is an evolutionary biologist, whose name is Jesse Bloom. What he did was he looked at these 229E, these are seasonal coronavirus samples. It's like a common cold that infects people throughout their lives. What he did was he collected decades-old blood samples from patients who had been exposed to 229E, tested them uh, for antibodies against different versions of the virus going back to the 1980s. And what he found was that the blood samples from the 1980s contain a very high level of infection-blocking antibodies mm. against the 1984 version of the 229E virus. But this has much less capacity to neutralize the 1990s version of the virus, even lesser for the 2000 and much lesser for the 2010s. 
So the trend that we are seeing is that the virus was evolving to evade immunity. An unfortunate thing is we can draw the same parallels for variants such as Omicron and the Delta uh, that carried mutations that can blunt the potency of antibodies against the past versions of SARS-CoV-2. So that being said, I think another thing that I wanted to cover was, again, I have discussed this in, in, in detail in a lot of the articles that I've written, is that there's an emergence of these variants of interest and variants of concern. And what we wanted to know is, where are these coming from? So the two main factors that are contributing to this are immunocompromised individuals and transmission in animals. And we've discussed this before. So they have these these studies that coming out of South Africa where they have reported a 36-year-old female patient with HIV who was not receiving ARVs uh, harbored COVID-19 for almost 216 days, accumulates 32 mutations, and that is similar to the vaccine-evading beta variant. So this is something that I have always talked about, that to deal with the pandemic, we need to deal this as a syndemic, where both HIV and COVID are important, and we need to make sure that both are a part of our treating strategies going forward. Uh, And then the other thing that I've also mentioned is there's evidence to suggest that the the SARS-CoV-2 has spilled from animals to people multiple times. And researchers have actually found that the animal strains are very similar to those uh, humans in the similar areas. And they've reported this from Germany, Spain, Denmark, uh, and France. So our focus should include a one health approach. We have to include genetic monitoring of SARS-CoV-2 in animals. A new concept comes up, which has been discussed in the past, a one health approach that recognizes that people's health is very closely connected to the health of animals and our shared environment. And finally, I just wanted to bring up two more factors here. I talk about, and I think I mentioned this, it's called the butterfly effect. Like when a butterfly flaps its wings, it, it can actually create a hurricane halfway around the world. So we don't live in vacuum. All of us are connected. And another concept comes up is six degrees of separation, where all of us are connected by like five, uh, by a chain of acquaintances, not more than five links. So what is very important is for, for us to understand that humans, animals, and our ecosystem are all connected And we have to take them into account in countering this current pandemic. And that's why we'll talk about it, how we have sort of come up with a a broader vision of addressing all these uh, with our our treatment strategies, our AI platform. Sorry for the monologue. No, that that's phenomenal. That that's the, the message that we needed to hear, right? That, that that longer drawn out conversation focused on science, focused on technology, right? There there was no left, center, right slant to that. Everything that you said was factual information. People can take that, look at it, research it, and 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 choose to act on it as they will. The fact that you at Enzolytics are doing that good work, as I kind of stated at the very beginning of, of our engagements, 
it's comforting to hear, comforting to know. It's unfortunate to hear about the numbers that are rising from the from the pandemic and things of that nature. But yeah. now I'm gonna put you on the on the spot, right? Because we see where we are. We see where we we may be going in in a negative direction with with this pandemic. I'm gonna divide this conversation now into kind of kind of two segments, right? And you know, let's let, let's talk about enzolytics. Your immediate and, and this is a statement that you actually made. Your immediate revenue generating products, right? Sure. So let's get right to it. When is the enzolytics IPF immune going to be available in the United States, and where will it be available in the United States? Okay, thanks. I think uh, we're, we're, we're shooting. Right, we're going right. We're going right forward, rather. Right. We're, we're not messing around. I, I told the community I that we were going to have some some poignant questions and and some definitive answers. So let, let, let's sure. definitely uh, make it happen, sir. Sure, sure. I think I mentioned this before. So 2022 is the year we consolidate on all the work that has been done in 2020 and 2021. So this year, what we have done is that IPF immune. Uh, is we are working on IPF immune, which is an immune monitor. Let me just explain what it is actually and how what what the progress has been thus far. So it is an immune monitor that is safe, natural, effective. It it identifies only infected human cells, binds to them, increases T cell activity, and then presents them to our immune system for removal and destruction. Since the removal is natural and it happens through our immune system and it only targets infected cells, there are no side effects of this, uh, of this medication. The active components in the supplement has been registered with the FDA for use in the U.S. under NDI registration number 1083. Uh, IPF immune is very unique. Uh, and what we have done is IPF immune has been uh, tested against the human coronavirus 229E, again, this is the common cold virus, and we've exhibited uh, comparable efficacy, uh, but with 20-fold lower toxicity than the widely used anti-influencer medication Tamiflu. We have additional studies that have demonstrated that IPF does not show toxicity to cells and effectively inhibits the herpes simplex 1 virus, Furthermore, it is more effective than acyclovir and does not have any toxicity effects on acyclovir, uh, of acyclovir. So that being said, how are we progressing forward? So I think we put it out in our press release. We have partnered with NPI. NPI offers a, a competitive advantage. They have developed a distribution platform that brings sales, marketing, logistics, and regulatory compliant all together under one umbrella. We will be launching IPF Immune across multiple big and small retail chains, online platforms in March 2022. Our production has been completed in Europe and we are ready with our marketing campaigns. We have listened to the community. Uh, we will be launching a website dedicated to IPF Immune uh, the plan is also to go forward with TV commercials and reaching out to the community as such. Uh, the, fortunately, the feedback that we've received from patients who've received PEPs and Fragment has been phenomenal. And patients have really uh, benefited from this uh, PEPs and Fragment. So what we have done is 
this dedicated website that we'll have, we will have the option of leaving testimonials, reviews, and also have the options of buying it directly from the website. Again, the idea with IPF Immune is to penetrate the $50 billion nutritional supplement market. The, the, the initial uh, feedback that we have received from all our patients is very good, and we are very confident of good numbers uh, going forward. Awesome. Let me, let me ask you this. Will, do you know, will that website, will that live off of Enzolytics.com or will, will it be a separate entity? It will be a separate entity okay. in itself. Okay. It will be sublinked to our website, but okay. it will be in different. Uh, someone else will be handling that website because all the orders and everything will be going through that. So we have a whole chain of people involved in that process. And NPI will be the ones who are handling that. Awesome. Well, that, that look, we, we just started, right? And, and that's, that's fantastic news to hear a date and time frame and, and the very short time frame, right? To, to where you'll have something out there for, for folks. Uh, I, I was selfish when I said, let's start with United States. But again, this is global. Let's, let, let's talk about timeline to get products to the remaining North American countries, Australia and other regions where, where you have rights to, you as an in Enzolytics have rights to. Yes, yes. So I think, uh, the, Australia is the, the next target, but what we decided was let's launch it in the U.S. actually, and then we'll take a decision regarding a particular partner in Australia mid this year. Around June 2022, we'll take a decision as to how we go about it. I think uh, the U.S. actually offers a, a big market for us, especially when we are going to an e-commerce platform through Amazon and everything. And from there, this can be provided a channel to Australia if we do have to uh, take that forward uh, easily. Okay. Okay. Interesting. You mentioned, you mentioned Amazon as well. So, so again, make, making it accessible, right? So though that's, that's, that's definitely uh, a move in, in definitely the right direction. Uh, early in your research, early in your uh, plans and, and things that the, the organization has been working on, talk to us a little bit about when will the ITV one be ready for distribution within Africa. Uh, I mean, that, that's incredibly important. That's incredibly poignant as well. I, I think we want to talk about it and understand the status of that as well, sir. Sure, sure. I think, I mean, ITV1, that's our second revenue generating product in 2022. Uh, and I think people are aware of it that we've had enough progress in the past where we've done clinical trials and we are actually moving forward uh, with further development. But uh, coming back to our question, actually, so it is an immune moderator. ITV1, it is a therapy for HIV, and it can be used in uh, sort of combination with the existing antiretrovirals. We have partnered with Scandia to assist us with working uh, on an FDA approval uh, 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 for introduction in America and uh, for uh, EMA approval to, uh, to access EU countries. So that is something that is also new. We are actually going to be introducing uh, ITV1 uh, to both North America and and uh, Europe at the same time. Uh, so that is a newer development. Uh, and coming back to your question as to when we will have ITV1 available for Africa. So we have completed the production of ITV1 in Europe, and we will be introducing ITV1 to Africa in late March, early April. Uh, we've had discussions regarding the, the, the logistics that will be involved. And uh, we are on track with late March, early April 
to be available in Africa and actually benefit the patients uh, in Africa. Awesome. Awesome. We, we, we've jumped in on, in the deep end of the pool, right? And, and kind of, I put you on the spot with, with some, some, some straightforward, hard hitting questions and, and appreciate you for, for giving those answers, sir. Let, let's, let's back up just a little bit, just a little bit and say, I know the company is working on diagnostic and prognostic tests for infectious diseases, right? Again, I, I, I read the mission statement. You're, you're trying to cure the world of 40 plus diseases and, and make the world a better place. Kind of like to understand the importance of this for the company Enzalytics moving forward. Sure. I, I think uh, this is an important point. Uh, what we've been doing is recently is, uh, uh, okay, uh, let me just back up a bit, actually. Let me explain what these diagnostic and prognostic tests are, then we'll talk about why we're doing this. So first is, this is a new addition. This is another revenue generating potential for 2022. Uh, we, what we have done is we've identified these fixed immutable targets on the virus. So since these targets are fixed and they'll always be around, based on the presence of, of absence of these, we can come up with a diagnostic criteria for viruses. This could be for HIV, COVID-19, and all the other viruses that we've been working on. So this is a patent under review. We, were, we already submitted this as a patent. Uh, the second thing that we've been working on is a prognostic test. Uh, and this is something that is very, very unique. What we have done is we've actually built 3D models of our epitopes, uh, uh, the conserved sites. And then what we are developing is we will have uh, a prognostic test where we can actually predict with accuracy a person for, for a person who's taking a vaccine or an antibody, what will be the the, the immune response in, uh, after that. So we can always predict that in, in advance. And that will be really important going forward in coming up with a solution for this pandemic. Uh, and, and the diagnostic test, I think this is also important to address why we're doing this. As the, the, the current antigen test, which is a quick test that we have, it relies on certain factors and certain presence of certain factors, which may or may not be present as the virus mutates. So it is always important to have tests that, that target uh, something that remains unchanged in the virus so that the, the, the results that we have is 100% positive and we can rely on them. So these are the two new things that we've been developing. Got you. Got you. Before I move to the next segment, let me take a pause and let me, let me, let me throw this in. How, how's, how's the rest of the other crew to go on? How, how's Mr. Katropi? It, it was fantastic to have him on a few months ago. Uh, how's he, how's he doing? How's his brother doing? I think we, uh, I think it's exciting for them because uh, both uh, Dr. Katropi and Charles Katropi have done this together for almost 40 years. So it's like a dream coming true actually. And it's, it's what they have thought about, 40 years ago, it's been translated into clinical products that's going to benefit medicine and benefit our patients as such. And I think they're very excited about it. I mean, uh, I think, uh, yeah, I think we're very close to finding success. And, and it's good for them to, to see what what they have thought of, what they envisioned is actually coming together. Amazing. Amazing. Give, give them my, uh, my, my, uh, my blessings. Uh, lo- love to have, have them on again at a subsequent conversation. Uh, let's, let's talk about 
the other fork in the road for enzyletics, right? Let's talk about monoclonal antibodies. All right, let, yep. let's go ahead and dive into that now. When does enzyletics... Oh, go ahead, sir. I'm, I'm sorry, James. I think uh, what I like to do, uh, I see a lot of questions coming up where they're talking about our audit and the uh, and, and the uplisting, actually. So l- let me just answer that, actually. I think there's a lot of questions that are being asked. Let me just state that that or the audit and the uplisting remains our number one priority. We are not happy with the with the delay in our audit. And what we have done is we've acted upon it. We've actually brought in an accounting firm and they have fulfilled all the requirements and we will be submitting an audit and hope to be uplisted um, very soon. And when I say very soon, it could be a matter of days to weeks. Uh, and that's that. Hopefully, that answers their question. Well, you just threw out some extra gems there. That that, that you know, I wasn't expecting even. I wasn't even going to go down that road, right? I but <laughs> but you, you are a man of the people. Pre- appreciate that, right? Because again, that that's that's a burning question. That that's something that there's there's a lot of. I'm not going to say angst, but there, there's a lot of interest in, especially from the the number of folks that are, that are watching now live and, 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 and the replay. So appreciate you for, for being open and honest and, and providing that bit of information. So um, back to the monoclonal antibodies part, you know, you know, when do you, I guess, when you expect to begin animal trials, right, for the HIV monoclonal an- antibodies? That's, that's, again, flashing back to some early... Uh, movements and developments for enzyletics and, and, and kind of direction, but we, we want to make sure, sure. that that's not uh, falling off of the uh, off of the roadmap. So yeah, I, I agree completely. Actually, so uh, uh, just to, uh, what we've done is we've actually are very happy with the progress that we've made with Samsung Biologics and the partnership. We made some progress with our multiple antibodies for both HIV and SARS-CoV-2. Uh, regarding the animal trials for our HIV, anti-HIV model antibody, uh, the, the work that we are doing is progressing well. Uh, and the animal studies that, that we talk about, I think uh, just to give a perspective to people, uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci actually has shown success in primates using an epitope, uh, which is called as KLBC, which is exactly similar to the, the epitope that we are using called KLIC. And what happened was that has been confirmed by the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. And the findings of that animal study were that the, the, the primate was cured. It had a therapeutic effect uh, in the primate. So there is precedence for success uh, with this with our antibody. So we are very successful of just following through with the studies that have been done in the past and 100% confident that we will achieve success with our primate study. Uh, that being said, I think there's another question that people keep asking is, well, when are we going to sort of disclose our results, the, uh, or the data that we've generated? So uh, what we have done is, we have actually communicated for our HIV monoclonal antibody program with both Gileads and VIV. And we have received a tremendous interest from both of them. And what we have done is we continue to engage with them and we have been provided certain milestones that we need to complete uh, for us to partner with them. So we are actually progressing very well as, as we go ahead, share the data that we've been generating. And we hope that we can have a partnership uh, going forward uh, regarding the HIV multiple antibody that we have. I hope that answers that question. 
It it does. It does. And and again, and just wanting to put it out there, wanting to make sure that there's still activity, make, making sure, cause, cause again, that really was some of the, the foundational pieces for, for Enzo Lakes yeah. and, and what, and what you guys were working on. Just wanted to make sure that there were still some forward moving on that. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm going to ask you a, a question that you may want to answer. You may not want to answer, but I'm going to throw it out here anyway. Um, yeah, yeah I, well, I, I, set, I set you up, right? I set you up kind of a little bit. No, since, since the pandemic started, we, we, we've seen big pharma repeatedly fail in providing a robust monoclonal antibody. How is Enzolytics capitalizing on this opportunity? And does this provide external support to kind of speed up development? Throwing that out there. I'm, just, I'm, I'm putting my cards on it. It's like playing craps right there. But, but again, this, this isn't an opportunity for you to step back and say, I see what's happening out there with, with, with others in the, in the industry that are, that are doing the good work as well. But come on, let, let's get over the hump. Let's, let, let's get, let, let's get some results as opposed to let's, let's stop talking about it and let's be about it. Let's, let's have some action. So again, I, I throw that out there, sir, for you to answer as candidly as you, as you choose to. But yes, I, I, I'll answer that question. But what I liked is how you have evolved the term robust monoclonal antibody. I like that terminology. <laughs> Look, they're, they're rolling off of the tongue now, man. The, the first time that we talked, I, I was... I had the sources and, and I had all kind of things. I, I now I, I'm talking to like I know what I'm talking about. It's good stuff. Man. I know. <laughs> but, but thanks for that. But to answer your question, yes, there's a lot of interest from uh, big pharmaceutical companies in our SARS-CoV-2 monoclonal antibody, uh, especially since it has been reported that there's reduced to no activity of their monoclonal antibodies against the Omicron variant. So, like our HIV, uh, we actually have shared our results uh, and this, uh, uh, with two companies, and I can name them. We have discussed our results with Eli Lilly and Regeneron, mm-hmm. and we have actually discussed with them the opportunity to pursue an emergency use authorization where we can use our monoclonal antibodies in combination with theirs. Uh, uh, we continue to re- meet some milestones that, that are required for us, and once we do, we are very we are uh, very optimistic about having some sort of partnership where we can move our antibodies expeditiously to our, uh, to our patients. Mm-hmm. So, yes, to answer the question, we are capitalizing on the window of opportunity with the monoclonal antibodies. So you said it so much better than I would have ever said it. So pre- appreciate you on that, right? Um, Moving along and still talking along that that strain of conversation, you know, how how do you as Enzolytics plan to get your veterinary monoclonal antibodies to market by Q4 of this year? Right. And kind of what are those what are the remaining critical milestones to even get that and to accomplish that this type of activity? Sure. I think the the veterinary uh, monoclonal antibodies, these are also a new addition to our pipeline of products. And uh, what we have done is we, uh, I think we've discussed this with the two large veterinary medicine companies in the U.S. And we've discussed the potential for partnerships. Uh, uh, as far as the steps are concerned, the first step is using artificial intelligence and identifying these conserved immutable sites. That has been done. The second step is uh, uh, making sure we have an IP portfolio to protect us. That has been done. And the next step is then we actually create these antibodies using phase display. So we have three techniques that we are using for creating our monoclonal antibodies. First is a phase display 
display methodology. The second is a hybridoma methodology. And the third thing that we've used and we've introduced recently uh, sort of to our repertoire uh, is the, 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 the fluorescent antibody cell sorting technology. And that actually creates antibodies twice as fast as the other, other techniques that we have. So uh, what we have done is we've actually discussed this, uh, the opportunity of creating monoclonal antibodies uh, with these two companies. And what they have shown is they have shown an interest in monoclonal antibodies for, uh, for two viruses, the feline immunodeficiency virus and the feline leukemia virus. And our goal is to actually create monoclonal antibodies targeting these specific uh, the viruses so we can sort of enter into some sort of collaborative relationship with these two entities uh, in the veterinary medicine space. Awesome. You know, you sit in a very, we're blowing through these questions. I, I've got it written down here. Go ahead, have a drink, sir. I mean, I, I'm blowing through these questions because, uh, you know, I'm, ex- I'm excited as well. You know, you sit in an interesting spot being in R&D, right, responsible for the R&D of the organization. By being in that position, you see everything that's going on, right? You know the stories of the people. You know what's yeah. going on inside and out and outside of the organization. You you know the results and the experiences of folks that are affected by your work. Let's go ahead and get to a personal level. And can you share kind of kind of a patient story or a story of, of something someone who has kind of profoundly impacted you and your work with Enzalytics? Uh I think in terms to answer that question, uh, let me just back up a bit. So first, let me, so we need to understand that before COVID, the pandemic that dominated medical literature was HIV. And the, the, the pandemic was terrifying to both patients and doctors alike, because to this day, we still don't have a cure for HIV, though it has been around for 40 years. You can ask any of our colleagues around the world, and they would have hundreds of stories of patients that touched their lives. And the most we could offer to these patients was a temporary band-aid in the form of ARVs. And we eventually know that despite our best efforts, these patients would succumb to this terrible disease. And because of this, uh, the COVID, we actually have forgotten the stigma that was surrounding the original pandemic uh, and the, the threat it placed on the lives of patients and doctors treating them. I mean, today we have 37.1 million patients living with HIV. Around 16% of them don't even know they have the virus. And unfortunately, 36 million patients have died of AIDS-related diseases. Uh, And it's very unfortunate. The stories we talk about, I mean, there is a story of, we talk about Billy Porter. Billy Porter had HIV for 14 years and he lived with the stigma of the disease and he could not share that he had HIV with his own mother. And he talks about it where his mother mother passed away and he felt guilt about the sharing that he had HIV. We still have these stories that are around and and we we still haven't found a solution for this particular pandemic. And then coming to the COVID pandemic that we talk about, that COVID has affected almost millions of lives there are stories of loss for, for, due to the pandemic. Everyone around us has a personal story where they've been affected by this, the pandemic. 
Unfortunately, I would like to bring up a point that is very relevant in today's society is at a time, unfortunately, at a time when humanity should be coming together, we are more divided than ever before, uh, even before the pandemic. I mean, it's unfortunate that, that we have vaccinated patients who are rejoicing at the deaths among unvaccinated patients mm. and vice versa. And, and, and it is very, very unfortunate that this is happening. We at Enzolytics don't see a demise in a vaccinated or unvaccinated patient as a number, but a father, a mother, a spouse, or a child. When we see a Swiss marathon runner who takes the entire course of the vaccination schedule, gets myocarditis, and she cannot participate in a marathon run ever for her entire life, mm. we see that as a failure of our science. And we at Angelitics strive to work better, raise the level of our science so we can actually help our patients. Wow. Appreciate that. Yeah, that that's uh, that's poignant. That that hits home for a lot of us. I know uh, many of us globally. Again, I'm not not just going to say in the states or West Coast, East Coast, wherever the case may be, are, are affected by what's going on uh, with, with this pandemic and with these issues. Heck, my my mom is uh, is recovering right now, right from um, from. Uh, Omicron. So, so again, it, it hits home and it's very personal. So I appreciate you again, cause you're at the forefront. You, you are the, we're the foot soldiers, but you know, you, you are the, the generally the Lieutenant, whatever analogy that I can use that's out there really trying to make the world a better place for us. So appreciate you and appreciate you sharing that story, those stories. Um, let, let, let's talk a little bit about, I, I see some comments coming up again, asking about spe- some specific organizations, uh, some, some relationships that, that Enzoletics has. Let, let's go ahead and just talk about that. You know, can you identify partners and vendors and what's your definition, I guess, of partner versus a vendor for, for Enzoletics? Sure. Sure. I think I seem to be getting a lot of these. <laughs> okay. I think I'll answer that question. So, uh, for Angelitics, our primary goal is to get our clinical products to our patients in the shortest possible time. Uh, that being said, so we have an asset life strategy. What we are doing is we're trying to make sure that we get our, uh, we, we focus on our core competency. Uh, and our core competency is early drug discovery and development and our AI platform. And then what we do is we intend to partner, license, or collaborate with other entities who have other core competencies. The idea being to make sure that the clinical products are reaching to our patients in the fastest possible time. Mm. So, and then in that light to to identify vendors and partners actually. So the licensing agreement. So we have a licensing agreement with Rosetta. So they are a licensing partner. Then we have an equity relationship uh, with Contenta as we develop our AI platform. Then we have a vendor relationship with Genscript, uh, who are helping us with our R&D. And then we have a long-term relationship with Samsung, where they will be partnering with us, creating our monoclonal antibodies, taking that into clinical trials and developing it. So these are the sort of relationships we have. Again, the idea for us is let's focus on what we do best and then partner early with other people who actually have better sort of uh, abilities and make the most of it and that that's sort of where we are 
with our partnerships. Awesome. Awesome. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Uh, a number of months ago, we, we talked about the microbiome project. Great discussion. Amazing conversation. Uh, are, are there plans to commercialize or deliver value from solely the, the AI platform. I, I, I bring, sure. I'm bringing back the AI conversation again because there, there's a company that wasn't mentioned that I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if that company gets mentioned. You, you, don't, you don't have to say or anything again when we talked about partner versus vendor, but back to the question, right? The microbiome project, you know, are there, are there plans to commercialize it or, or derive value from solely the, the, uh, the AI platform, sir? Sure. So I think I'll answer that in two, uh, so in two parts, actually. First, I'll talk about the human microbiome and how what we've said that Stan has been supported and vindicated by a clinical study. And then secondly, what I'll do is the value as to what we are doing with our AI platform going forward. So the human microbiome, as you, I think we've talked about, is, uh, as you mentioned, that we have a consortium that we utilize artificial intelligence to see the effects of nutrition, genetics, and the human microbiome in diseases. And this is a part of a company's long-term strategy to enter the personalized medicine market and build a very strong IP portfolio. So we build prediction models for infectious diseases, mental health diseases, and chronic medical diseases. We identify biomarkers for these and also come up with novel treatment targets uh, for these diseases. So as I said, our stand on AI being used uh, in microbiome has been vindicated, uh, and I'll explain why. So the, in the U.S., the mortality rate for COVID has been 17 times higher than Japan. And understand that 35% of 126 million patients, uh, in people in, in Japan, are above 60 years. And they've seen that factors such as a low prevalence of obesity, low intake of red meat, and high fish intake were the nutritional factors that they, they thought would, were, were going to help these patients uh, uh, going forward. Uh, more importantly, a study was done by Nagoya University in Japan, and what they did was they established that a high amount of this bacteria, which is called columcella, that contributes to, to the lower mortality in Asians. And they found that columcella transforms the guts bile acids into this, into this acid, which, which actually suppresses the binding of the coronavirus to human receptors and actually contributes to market reduction in mortality among Asians. So I think that with that study, actually, it is, is supportive of what we've been saying and what, what how we want to go forward with that. Uh, the second part of the question regarding the AI platform, uh, I think we've talked extensively about our AI platform in multiple articles. Uh, but again, I think it's important to understand that the COVID pandemic has generated what we call as a false industrial revolution. Moreover, it has actually created a sort of a think tank for new technology, innovation strategies, and brings together the physical, the digital, and the biological worlds. And uh, more importantly, uh, so for what uh, sort of constitutes the fourth industrial revolution, it is a fusion of AI, robotics, IoT, genetics, and quantum computers. The, but how this is different from the past industrial revolution is the fourth industrial uh, revolution uh, 
impacts both on and within the humans. So it has the capability to re redefine us as humans. And that's why I have always said that we are at a pivotal point in human history where we have the ability to change the course of humanity utilizing artificial intelligence. Going along those lines, so the healthcare AI market is expected to be about 34 billion US dollars in five years. And our AI platform is very unique that it has been driving our discoveries and drug development. And AI has actually helped us leapfrog big farmers, monoclonal antibody discovery and development. As a result, we think we are ahead of the curve and our immediate strategy is to identify novel biomarkers, therapeutic targets, and expand our IP portfolio. And a long-term strategy would be to be a serious contender in the personalized medicine market. With that intention, we, we partner early with technology, genetics, regulatory companies uh, going forward. So that is sort of uh, the uh, sort of a summary of our AI platform, the value that we'll drive from this. Amazing. Amazing. Appreciate that, sir. Um, you said a lot today. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you, you know, you, it's a lot that needed to be said. I, I guess I, I, I'll bring it back to that. And first and foremost, I want to say thank you again for, for your time. Thank you for your candor. Thank you for, for your work. Thank you for continuing to be on those front lines, uh, irregardless of the noise, irregardless of, um, of what, whatever else is going on around that doesn't focus on that mission of uh, what the organization is, is working at doing. I'm not going to even say trying to do, but what the organization is going to do. So appreciate that. And in, in closing, sir, uh, what, what would you like to say to the, the community who is again, listening, watching, and going to hear this from a retail perspective in terms of, moving forward, short, mid, long-term types of expectations for, for Enzaletics and, and for you as well? I, yeah. I think uh, what I'll say is actually, so uh, people have called our company a lot of things, actually. I think there's a lot of, lot of terminology, a lot of terms have been used for our company. Someone had called our company a supernova uh, with potential. Again, I think uh, our aim is not just one explosive discovery, but a sustained multiple clinical products to raise the level of science and change the course of healthcare and technology. So that is sort of where we are headed. And coming back to uh, what uh, sort of a concluding remark, uh, we are very confident that we can be the David to knock out virology's Goliath. The underdog will succeed. However, I think we must remember that this takes time takes hard work, it takes innovation, it takes patience and skill to succeed. We are inspired by our partners, collaborators and shareholders who have shown immense faith and belief in our science and the vision that we have. From an industrial engineer who creates awareness about our work to a lawyer who glorifies our work through videos and a whole group of individuals who, out of their own interest, are creating awareness and, and sort of providing due diligence about our science and our vision, we are very grateful. 
We would like to thank everyone in the Enzolytic family for what you've been doing and you continue to inspire us and do better. In the end, what I like to say is we started with a few, but we are many. And the idea that was envisioned almost 40 years ago is materializing. We march towards success, onwards and upwards. Wait a minute. You took that. That was my closing remark. Dude. Okay. <laughs> that, that's good stuff. Appreciate you, sir. Appreciate that. That's, that's, that's good. That's, that's real. Folks, listen, if you found any value in this conversation, in this discussion, please share it within your social circles. Uh, please subscribe to the channel so you can keep updated on all things that we plan to continue to bring to the community. Uh, the doctor and I have already talked behind the scenes about we're, we're not done. <laughs> we, we are going to continue to drive these conversations uh, either directly between us or organizations that the doctor has re- recommended to me. So, so again, as, uh, as I mentioned the other day on, on that Twitter space is uh, some of the conversations that I've had within the last couple of months were been direct recommendations of Dr. Chandra. So that, that being said, that that's what we're going to keep doing. Keeps talking and, and telling the stories that matter and that resonate with society with, with that, sir. I thank you again. I appreciate you, uh, continue to do the good work, go get some sleep. Um, uh, it's, it's the future right now, right? Is it? Is it Wednesday there? Uh, <laughs> not yet, not yet. <laughs> pretty, pretty close. Thank you to the community. Uh, appreciate you. We appreciate you. Uh, looking forward to the feedback. Looking forward to. I, I know someone is dissecting every single sentence that we said, and is probably going to have a a very thorough synopsis in probably twenty minutes. And and I love that. And that's why we do what we do, right, to, to bring that information, to bring that knowledge. So that being said, everyone be well. Take care of yourself. Make sure you reach out to someone in your circle and check on them. Make sure that they're good because we've got folks at Enzoletics that are out there trying to fight the good fight and make everyone better. Be good to yourself, folks. Thank you.